0: Hey guys, before we start today's episode, we wanted to give you a friendly but important trigger warning. Today's episode includes a handful of relevant details that have to do with child abuse. We know you're here as true crime listeners, so a lot of this is par for the course. But when it comes to children, we want to be extra cautious for anyone who may have experienced something traumatic on either side of these heartbreaking stories. For more information on child abuse awareness and how to report child abuse, if you or someone you know has experienced it, Please check out the show description for links and more information.
1: Welcome to Shaking and Disturbed. I'm Darren Carp, and coming down the aisle with his backwards hat and tennis hair, we've got John Mother bleepin Thresher on. Yes. Yeah,
0: there we go. Wow. What, what did an you intro. think of the intro? Did you I like love that. that you know what? That just made me sad a little bit. Let me tell you why.
1: Because you're not going to be in New York to see my game show with Darren, and you're an asshole. Oh, sorry. Did <sighs> I interrupt?
0: Is that uh, one no, I can't.
1: I know, it's on Friday. Well, now. the reason You're is what we I, call the worst.
0: Let me there I have a thousand thoughts. The first I know, because
1: like I thought maybe I could get my Christmas gift, but no, it's April. So why would I have a Christmas gift in April? That's ridiculous. I That's I have absurd. your Christmas
0: gift right here, and that was the Great. plan. But let me say this: it made me sad because it just reminded me of our live shows, and we haven't done one in a long time. We're overdue. I know. We, we are should really overdue. do something small in New York, like just a cute little get-together or something. Number I mean, two. I would love
1: to, but you have to be here for that. I well, I'm
0: to ready to announce the reason that I can't be there. I didn't here want to say it on the show because I didn't want him to hear this, but I surprised my best friend and entered us in a pickleball tournament for his birthday. The friend wow. that you inspired me to get the paddle for Johnny, who you've met at my J Bone, the other J Bone, the, yeah, the other, other J Bone, yeah. Okay. And I couldn't tell anybody because I didn't want him to hear it or it for to get back to him because a lot of my friends actually do listen to the show. So we're yeah. recording earlier in the week, and um, I just wanted to surprise him. So that's where I'll be this weekend. Of course, it's the one weekend I was hoping to come see you, mm. but it'll be a memorable experience with Johnny. I'm excited to do that with him.
1: Well, obviously, you guys, if you listened to our NMR earlier in this week, you know why we recorded earlier this week for NMR, and then we just thought, let's do our episode early, so, you know, we we decided that, but John, before we get into this week's case, Mm -hmm. are you imbibing
0: i'm not imbibing this week only okay this is a shout out to everyone who doesn't drink on the show to be completely fair with you like we said we're uh recording earlier in the week and i didn't prepare a drink for this week's episode so um yeah tonight i'm not but that's okay what are you drinking anything where are you by the way
1: i'm still in los angeles i come home later this week so by the time uh, this episode comes out. Hopefully I will be back safely in New York City. Right. Um, but for NMR, I was in Los Angeles um, because it's a little bit earlier in the week and we're coming off a little bit of an Oscars poll. Mm. Uh, I am also not drinking today. I have my steady smart water. Hopefully this will make me a better podcaster. But, uh, yeah. well, you know, I, I need to be soaps for this case because there's kind of um, there's interesting yeah. nuances to it. There so. are.
0: Should we just go right into it right now? Let's do it. Let's do it. You guys listening? Crack open your drink, and and here we go. So Melissa Lucio grew up a in a Mexican American household in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. At the you know what's funny? Before we started the show, I was like, is it Rio Grande or Rio Grande? And I was thinking, I thought of, it
1: was Rio Grande. Well, I, I th- almost just asked you about that. Then I was like, am I dumb?
0: Well, it's, maybe it's, it's not do technic- with being
1: dumb. I'm just
0: no, no. In front of each yeah, other. we're not yeah. from Texas, so. But I was thinking it's Rio Grande. That's the Spanish way to say it, but. I was thinking of that song, dun, dun, the Rio Grande. Not gonna dun, help you
1: here to figure out what the hell you're talking what about. What the I'm not f- gonna
0: help you. song is this? You know what I'm singing, right? You know what I'm singing. She, her name was, and she. Oh, oh, oh,
1: Rio, Rio by Duran Duran.
0: Yes. They, don't oh they say God. Rio Grande
1: Na- in it? Nadine is somewhere in this apartment right now, so happy <laughs> yeah. that I referenced Duran Duran. Duran Duran, like, so happy because just so happy because like Duran Duran. I think I told you guys she came, they came on Watch What Happens Live, and oh. I can never take Nadine because she like she's ten years older, so our cultural references a are a little different, different and yeah. she works at Bravo, so it's not like. Right. A housewife's going to, I want to take her to somebody that's like she can't have access to. Sure. And so Duran Duran came on watch out with I was like, do you want to go to Duran Duran? She's like, Duran Duran? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, well, babe, that's amazing. Like, yes, I want to go. And she's like, listen to this song. Isn't this song great? I was like, I've heard of them and her face. Like I thought this was gonna be immediate <laughs> divorce. like I thought it was like she's never seen somebody so pathetic in her life. and so now that I can actually say this, I, I just I sorry, I had to say this no, the like song is Rio and okay
0: and they say Rio Grande in it, which is wrong, I think
1: I think so. Listen, but it's but not then, Ariana
0: Grande, you know what I'm saying it's Ariana Grand right,
1: but, like, but you need but you need an accent.
0: Well, that's like, true too. Listen, we're one I line l- into the show. We need let's to Let's go. Let's go. Yeah,
1: let's well, go. Well, the
0: listeners will f- will fill us in. That's the one good thing about having a lot of people that Thank listen to God. us. God. Yes, yes, if you're from the Rio Grande Valley, please do tell us how you pronounce it. Because here's another example. So, there's a suburb of my hometown and it's we call it Lavale, but it's really pronounced Lavale. The Valley. By the way, in Spanish. But nobody calls it that. Everyone calls it Lavelle. So I don't know. It's all weird. Anyways, guys, let us know what you think.
1: (laughs) I'm just kind of like, you know, I don't know what's like proper versus what the locals say. Like, I'd rather say what the locals say.
0: I would too, yeah. Then I
1: guess what is actually accurate.
0: I don't know. Let us know. The good news is there will always be someone there to correct us. So there you go. Anyway. Back to Melissa here. At the age of six, two of her adult male relatives sadly and tragically began sexually abusing her when her mother was out of the house. And this behavior lasted throughout her childhood into her teen years, which is disgusting and horrible and something that happens way too often in the world. In 1984, desperate to leave home, Melissa got married to a man named Guadalupe Lucio when she was only 16 years old. Although she was still a minor, Melissa's mother consented to the marriage, which enabled Melissa to go through with the union. Now, this is mid-80s. You know, culturally, we're in a very different place in the world, I would say, at this point. What are your thoughts about the mother sort of consenting to this marriage, even though Guadalupe is well, assumingly hard. a lot older than she is?
1: Yeah, I don't, we don't, know, I don't know how old he is. Um, I will say, listen... She had two adult male relatives sexually abusing her when her mother was out of the house. And so that environment in and of itself, Mm -hmm. if she felt like she couldn't talk to her mom, maybe her mom was blissfully unaware. I don't know enough about it. Obviously, I think it's at easiest a little odd to consent to this. However... And I think sixteen is way too young. Like I'm not saying that this is a good thing. However, maybe in a way it could have been an okay thing if the home life was so terrible and then cultural values. It's like you had to leave the house to go. I don't know. So it's really it's hard for me to judge. I think it's really easy to judge like sitting on my thirty four year old like chair as a podcaster and being like, That's gross. But I don't I tend to not want to do that just because it's like yeah. God, what if it? We don't know how this case is going to go. I'm just saying, like right yeah. now, like what if it's the best thing for her? No, and for then, sure. You know, so yeah. No, that's I'm a great way, way to.
0: No, that's a great way to look at it, and it's and it's important, I think, for us in particular as podcasters who just tell these stories. We don't have any connection to them. To sort of do what you just did and kind of check where we are in our own lives versus where people are, you know. It's just
1: easy to judge from sitting from this chair, not having sexually been abused and not married and no kids. So it's like sometimes I feel weird about saying like what my opinion is on this because so much of it is wrapped up. You know, we obviously talk about the Oscars on NMR. So if you haven't heard (laughs) that, but just like how easy it is to react to things, how easy it is for your whole life to change, I think, is just Not sold enough in the public eye. I think it's just so easy to judge. Anyway, keep going. No,
0: that's a great, I'm glad you mentioned all that. Well, unfortunately, this marriage didn't prevent Melissa from the abuse Mm. that she faced because Guadalupe was a violent husband, who abused alcohol and sold drugs. And maybe to your point, Darren, maybe at the very least her mother thought it was a chance at a better life compared to what she was dealing with. So,
1: Or maybe her mother was not a good person and, yeah, and saw too. this happening. Like, we don't know enough, but I think yeah. it's just easy to kind of judge that figure as opposed to knowing what's really happening obviously this is terrible objectively Mm -hmm. though
0: Uh, yeah no for sure well melissa who is still underage, developed a substance abuse problem and became trapped in the marriage without a way to leave and care for herself which often happens in abusive relationships everyone's like well why don't they just leave and it's like
1: little stockholm syndrome too
0: yeah and like not everyone has the resources or let's say even say the courage to just yeah. face a violent abuser and leave and and hope they're going to survive all that. Um, so Melissa and Guadalupe had five children before Guadalupe abandoned the family, leaving Melissa alone to care for all five kids.
1: What a stand-up human. I know. Stand-up guy.
0: Melissa's next partner, Robert Alvarez, was no better than her first husband. He, too, was violent and abusive <laughs> and would frequently beat and verbally attack Melissa and the children, During her relationship with Robert, Melissa gave birth to another, are you ready for this, seven children. Oh, my God. Twelve children in total, for those who are keeping count listening to their show. So by her 35th birthday, Darren, you're about to celebrate your 35th, I believe. 34th, 34th. Your two years...
1: Younger? Every time we say this, we've been know why for eight years, and it's I like...
0: I don't know why. That alone I'm is sure. crazy. I was born in 88, sweetie.
1: 88.
0: I know. I don't know. You're, I always think you're a year younger. But anyway, imagine being, okay, next year. Fine. Yeah. You being 35 next year, and having 12 double-digit children. I mean... I, this isn't a judgment, by the way. I'm not saying someone who has I couldn't imagine kids.
1: having one kid, I can, let I, alone to take care best, of right now, let alone 12. Are you my, kidding? My That's best friends school.
0: have a two-year-old, and I look at them, and I'm like, this is a oh. job for four to seven people, let alone know, two. so
1: intimidating. I and I think about
0: my mom, parents. who, for the most part, most of my life was a single mother of three, working her ass off, making ends meet, like she did, and I... In my older ages, I look back now and I'm like, wow, I have a different respect for you than I did back then. And it's just like, I can't imagine 12 children. It's so much. So as mentioned, by your 35th birthday, Melissa was suffering from some from substance addiction, mental illness. She's had multiple miscarriages at this time. And as you might expect, was living below the poverty line, because how could you not with that many children? Um, Melissa's 12th child, Mariah, was born in September 2004. Af- and after Mariah's birth, a welfare check was conducted, at which time Melissa tested positive for cocaine. Ooh. And Texas's child welfare agency placed all 12 children in foster care as a result. Mm. So I think, regardless, you know, no judgment, I'm not judging this situation, but. It's very clear that like the struggle of the family lifestyle is really taking its toll on her. I'm sure all of the children of which, you know, are all different ages.
1: Yeah, this is kind of a good example of generational trauma where it's like, you know, and it's going to probably affect these kids. And it affected Melissa's mother in some sort of way to have, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, yeah. Um, well for the next two years, Melissa worked with the state to follow their family reunification program was able to regain custody of nine of her children. The three eldest went to live with their father. I don't know given the fact that he was so abusive. Mm. I, I don't know if they could prove that in court.
0: Yeah. I think
1: maybe it's better for the oldest ones if that better is even the right word. I don't I don't right. even know here what's going on, but Melissa's caseworker visited the apartment regularly. And describe it honestly as chaotic. The older children were often put in charge of supervising the younger kids. We've seen this Mm -hmm. before. That's not crazy. However, the caseworker never noted any signs of abuse. In fact, Melissa's friends and relatives all recalled her being patient with her kids. And to be fair, if you have (laughs) 12, but let alone nine, obviously the older ones are going to step up and take care of the younger ones and get them dressed in the morning or help make breakfast and probably do things because they're more capable of doing that after that point. Like that doesn't seem to be that crazy to me. I mean, obviously you want them all to be children in their own time, but this is, especially if you don't have the means to like have a privileged lifestyle. Like this is kids are used around the house for that type of thing. And yeah, On February 17th, 2007, around 7 p.m., paramedics were called to Melissa and Robert's small two-bedroom apartment. The apartment was on the second floor of a walk-up building with very rickety stairs, And which, trust me, as a New Yorker, that's (laughs) par for the course. I mean, rickety stairs is just what it is. Mm -hmm. The stairs were so questionable, however, that the caseworker had expressed concern several times with the potential hazard posed by the building Hmm. staircase. So
0: they must be real rickety.
1: And I'm thinking nowadays, remember last summer when that Miami building collapsed yes. and they're still trying to figure out the wreckage from that? Yeah. I'm thinking all these buildings now that have to go through all of their checks yeah. to make sure that doesn't happen. Oh my oh, yeah. god, the rickety staircases in New York like
0: Well, I was huh. just going to say, I mean, how many times, I don't know if you've noticed this, but having lived there since around 2012 and I was kind of living there even earlier than that, you know, and I lived in in uh harlem where a lot of those buildings are pre-war buildings which means they're very very old essentially and like i don't know if you remember this but like every year or two you'd hear about like a gas line exploding and a whole building going up in smithereens
1: still in the bronx it was a space heater yes six weeks ago or something took the whole
0: building yeah and
1: then they still let them have space heaters And the building is just, you know, it's just like classic New York of just like painting over the problem. And this isn't even in New York. I'm just saying that. like, No, but
0: our experiences. Yeah.
1: Well, so so she complains about the hazard of the scare case. Mm. And this was especially for two year old Mariah, who had a congenital foot deformity Mm. and needed to wear special shoes in order to walk. Okay, so obviously this isn't good for, you know, regularly arched. I don't know how else to put that, but obviously this is a bad staircase. And when the paramedics entered, they found two-year-old Mariah laying unattended on the floor. She had no heartbeat and was not breathing. And one of the paramedics later noted that Melissa's behavior was distant, not overly distressed, and quote, so far out of the ordinary that he had put it in the report made Mm. at the time of the visit. And we often talk about emotional reactions not necessarily being conscious of anything, just as like this visceral response to something. But if it's so far out of the ordinary, especially for a paramedic who's not an investigator, but a paramedic who literally sees firsthand what a crime is happening, and it's mm-hmm. so out of the realm of what they're experiencing that they're writing it down, that says something to me maybe about this behavior.
0: I agree. I think especially in the event of a child being unconscious at this point, or or I don't know that they know exactly what happened yet, but if I'm the first responder and there's a, ch- a a potentially dead child and the mother's kind of distant, you you have to write that down. There's no way you can't, you know?
1: Well, apparently during testimony, the paramedic would later state that Melissa, quote, wasn't even within arm's reach of the child, much less trying to hold her. And mm. I think we imagine, you know, any parent losing their child has to be the worst thing that could ever happen to mm. you. So you kind of would expect less distance than we're seeing here. And while paramedics tried to help Mariah, Melissa told them that her daughter had fallen down the building's staircase. And according to Melissa, the fall had taken place on Thursday the 15th. Mariah had been left alone for a few minutes, and Melissa found her at the bottom of the staircase crying. Although she initially seemed unharmed, Mariah had lost her appetite after she fell and started to refusing to eat. She also showed trouble breathing and seemed super lethargic.
0: So... Just to recap, too, according to Melissa, as Darren just said, the fall took place on Thursday, the 15th, and this is the paramedics are here on the 17th. So it's been two days since this fall, and
1: Although, we yeah. do see sometimes, not necessarily with children, but with older people, how they can fall, and then there could be like internal bleeding, Oh and yeah. uh, we don't notice that until yeah. kind of later, it kind of happened with my grandfather, so mm. in theory, maybe the fall didn't seem that bad, and then sure, you kind of notice fair. labored breathing later, but this is tragic all around so far.
0: Yeah, so far. Well, earlier in the evening, Melissa had laid Mariah down on a mattress in a living room. When she went to check on her later, she had stopped breathing. Mariah Mariah was brought to the nearest emergency room where she was pronounced dead on the scene. A medical team inspected Mariah's body and found it to be in a shockingly bad state. There were bruises of various ages all over her body and bite marks on her back. So this
1: was not just from the fall because if it showed that there's bruises, you know, Usually when you get a bruise, obviously it's black and blue, but then it's it's healing, it gets to be that kind of like yellow, green yeah. kind of color. It's Ugh. not fun, but like at least you know that it's healing on your body and like that's kind of a sign. So I imagine if there were some fresh wounds and some old wounds, that's what they mean. It's going to bite the aging of it all.
0: And not to mention, as far as I know, stairs don't have teeth. So bite marks on the yeah. back, that's a tough one. Well, yeah. one of her arms appeared to have been broken roughly two weeks prior to her death. God, this is horrible. Large chunks of her hair were missing from her head. It looked as though it had been torn out at the roots. Oh, this is tr- so disturbing. The attending physician who oversaw Mariah... By the way, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Abuse. I mean, um, how could this ob- not be abuse? Yeah. Like- right. The attending physician who oversaw Mariah later testified that this was the worst case of child abuse he'd seen... In 30 years of practice, the doctor also testified that his inspection of Mariah's body showed no sign whatsoever of head injury.
1: So, to fall down the stairs and not have any sort of head injury after you have chunks of hair being ripped from your fucking scalp, I'm assuming that's why they tested it, Mm -hmm. seems highly sus.
0: Very sus. However, the forensic pathologist who conducted Mariah's autopsy had a differing opinion. Mariah's autopsy was conducted on February 19th, and the examiner concluded that Mariah's cause of death was blunt force head trauma that had occurred within 24 hours of her death. And he cited multiple contusions that indicated she had been beaten with something, like a hand, a fist, or even slammed against something. Now, that's interesting. I mean, you have two—you have a doctor and an, a medical examiner, a forensic pathologist even having completely different understandings of what happened here.
1: Yeah. And Weird. I guess I'm confused because like I said, maybe you get hit in the head and you don't realize that like it causes your brain to bleed. So from outward appearance sure. from let's say a doctor, they might not know, but then a medical examiner who's obviously post,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: post-mortem, Death. you're yeah. going to be able to kind of see how that happens. But for it to kind of be so obvious right you know, it seems again weird that the doctor wouldn't have noticed that
0: right yeah it's very i don't know these details are strange he went on to know the the pathologist that it would have been immediately apparent that mariah had been injured requiring medical attention right Ex- right because you would imagine you know if there were that it's many that obvious yeah that yeah, many and that young an age right right So the examiner further ruled that Mariah's injuries could not have been caused by simply falling down the stairs. On February seventeenth at around ten p.m., investigators brought Melissa in for questioning about her daughter's death. This interrogation took place without Melissa's attorney present. Now, whether you're guilty or not, it's gonna
1: be a good good idea to do that. You
0: gotta have an attorney attorney present. Absolutely.
1: Well, you got to have an attorney present for yourself, but also that the cops and the police should make sure that you have an attorney present because that could be held against you in the court of law if Mm -hmm. they find that you're questioning somebody without their legal representation there or if they're asking for it and you're not giving it. So, well, at first, Melissa maintained that she had no idea how Mariah could have gotten injured so badly, suggesting that perhaps one of her older children had been responsible for hurting their sister
0: I mean, to a point, let me just say this. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you.
1: No, please. I'm more frustrated about this case than anything. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I was just thinking, like, to that point, when you have that many children, I could understand that to an extent. Like, maybe one of them was off doing something and you just can't keep track of, at this point, it's nine children, but she has 12. You know, this is me giving her the benefit of the doubt because... I know even with just me, my sister, my brother, when we were younger, like, did my, our, did my mom know every single little thing that, I, that we all were doing to each other? No. We were always fighting and punching each other and doing crazy
1: stuff. This, honestly, reading this made me think about how Melissa was treated as a kid Ooh, for her. The fact that her yeah. older siblings were abusing her and her mom. As far as we know, didn't really have any idea Um, because it happened while she was away. And so clearly Melissa didn't feel comfortable enough or nothing happened when she told her mom. And so this is what I'm saying about this generational trauma Mm -hmm. kind of coming down to it now. And so she stated that she left Mariah playing by herself upstairs in the apartment while she brought her three older children to drop off some belongings at their new apartment. At trial, the detective named Victor Victor Escalon stated that after about 20 minutes of being questioned by him, Melissa began to quote-unquote open up, admitting she began spanking or hitting Mariah sometime in the previous year. Hmm. There are parents out there, and I don't want to, you know, piss people off here, but there are <laughs> parents that believe that spanking your kid is fine and appropriate and um, on public display. I am not one of those people. I can say that definitively without Mm -hmm. even having kids. But there are some people who do abide by this. And that's not necessarily, you know, you're a serial killer and you're abusing your kid. It's more so just how people respond to punishment, depending on how it's used. I obviously don't think it's a good thing. Yeah. Of course.
0: Yeah. Um, This also is interesting because at this point, He's basically saying that he got comfortable enough with her that she started to open up. And I'm just wondering, if I'm her, what, where's that door? Like, at what point do you think, oh, I'm going to start, you know, finally telling him about how I was abusing, essentially, or spanking? Well, it does whatever. depend,
1: because those parents that think that it's okay don't view it as abuse, obviously. Well, that's obviously. true. They're yeah. not viewing it as that, and so they are more open up to kind of talking to about it. Mm-hmm. Melissa stated that she would, quote-unquote, hit her daughter, Mariah, when she got mad. This included two hits to Mariah's back roughly two weeks before Mariah's death. And Melissa went on to admit that she would pinch her daughter and on one occasion bit her on the back for no reason while she was combing Mariah's Uh, hair, which makes sense of the bite marks on her back. She said, quote, I just did it, end quote, Melissa said, claiming she wasn't mad at her daughter when she bit her, but frustrated with her other children.
0: Now, wait a minute. Mariah is only, what, three years old? Let me, re- Let me do this math, because it was 2007, and she had her—I just want to re- go back to our notes here. Yeah, Melissa's 12th child, Mariah, was born September 2004. They found her in 2007. I mean, yeah, three. a three-year-old? You're biting your three-year-old?
1: And even for her to just say that she just <sighs> did it, especially because she was mad at the other children, just yeah. goes to show to me how much abuse Melissa actually suffered as a kid herself, because clearly this is not a— quote-unquote normal reaction of how you behave at all. There's mental
0: illness for sure there.
1: There's definitely something going on here. She then stated stated that she had gotten into a habit of spanking Mariah several times day after day. Mm. And I think once, maybe we could make an argument for it, day after day, no. Detective Escalon then returned questioning to the night of Mariah's death, and Melissa told authorities that Mariah was sick on the day she died, but that Melissa was afraid to take her to a doctor, who would see the bruises. Right. Yeah, uh, of course. And Melissa stated that prior to her collapse on February 17th, Mariah slept all day and would lock her teeth together when Melissa tried to feed her. Yeah, she's terrified of her own fucking mother. Like, of course she is. And mm. this teeth-locking behavior became the prosecution's basis basis for belief that Mariah had suffered blunt force head trauma. Mm. That might have been the case. I see this as just a horribly scared and abused young lady, mm-hmm. young kid, child. And later during trial, the state brought forth an expert witness to testify that when a child suffers a brain hemorrhage, they complain of fatigue and may have a form of seizure that causes the child's body to become very tense and clamped shut. So that's definitely true. And certainly, you know, that that trauma that we were kind of experiencing, that like you don't notice it right away, but mm-hmm. you have a brain hemorrhage and there's bleeding in the brain makes sense why she was sleeping. She has also three. I don't know, you know, they take naps and everything, but uh they complain of fatigue and a form of seizure. Like this would this tracks. Doesn't necessarily yeah. prove it, but it tracks.
0: I- it, it does, and it's hard to even, like, get through some of these details. After five hours of interrogation, Melissa stated, quote, I guess I did it. I'm responsible, end quote. Oh, okay. Okay. Although there was no actual physical evidence of head trauma, authorities took this statement as a confession. At some point during this interrogation, Melissa was given a baby doll and asked to show detectives how she handled Mariah when she hit her. Melissa shook the doll violently from side to side and struck it on the back of the head. Now so
1: clearly she's thinking, like, there's this level of being embarrassed in front of other people because she doesn't want to take her to see the doctor with the bruises. So there's something there in her head that says, mm-hmm. like, this isn't good. But then what's this switch of being like, Show me how you treat your podcast partner and I'm beat I'm and Will Smith in you them. and I'm beating the shit out of you? Like what Will Smith. What is this? Well,
0: you know what? I was just thinking, like maybe this is this kind of abuse may have been so commonplace for her, right? That so it's like lived normalized. in that she's so normalized it, and like this, point. this could just be another question from the interrogators. Like she may not. Again, this is what you're ta- You were just talking about this, the generational trauma that you you only know. You don't know any other other way of life has been passed down and, like, your brain is in those parameters. So she's probably just doing what she's been told to do and doesn't realize right. the the ramifications, I think. Well, yeah. as you might expect, Melissa was arrested for her daughter's murder in the early hours of February 18th. After Melissa's arrest, an investigation was conducted. Hair and fingernail clippings were taken from her but never sent to the laboratory for testing. Right. There needs to be some kind of, like, Federal agency that's all about DNA testing. Because the amount of times on this show we've said XYZ DNA has been taken but never got tested.
1: Or like this, I don't know, it's like who watches the Watchmen? Like who are we making sure that these cases are handled appropriately? Because clearly right. there's a lot of misconduct going on. Great. So much so that we can't even arrest sometimes people who are so obvious of oh, guilt. Yes. Bill Cosby comes to mind in, in so yeah, many right. ways. And like I sort of understand they're being temperamental with jury, but like... As a an examiner, as an investigator, as a prosecutor, as a defendant, you know, as a public defender, like, yeah, there should who watches these people to make sure that they're totally. doing the thing appropriately, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, Melissa also offered to undergo a polygraph test to prove her innocence, despite essentially confessing. But the test was never examined. Um, no dental impressions were ever taken from the children in an attempt to try and prove where the bite marks on Mariah's body came from. However, the forensic pathologist who conducted Mariah's autopsy stated the teeth impressions could not be matched to anyone because, quote, someone had dragged their teeth across it, end quote. (sighs) Melissa was indicted on felony murder charges on May 16th, and at trial, the prosecution sought the death penalty for Melissa, Their case rested on Melissa's confession to the murder, her admission to having repeatedly abused Mariah, and the overwhelming physical evidence of abuse discovered by the doctors who examined her body, which we disgustingly had to tell you earlier in the episode. The defense team argued that Mariah had actually died from a fall down a flight of stairs, and that Melissa had confessed to murder under duress, stating only, quote, I guess I did it, after five hours of late-night interrogation. Now, this isn't to say I, you know, that that isn't a thing because we've and, seen and police. A, we've yeah. seen
1: false admittance false of guilt. Yeah. Yes, false confessions for sure.
0: The I defense also that. brought forth the fact that there was no physical evidence of head trauma to Mariah's body. You know, remember the the medical or um the doc the examining doctor at first said there was nothing there, but the forensic pathologist says there's a lot of blunt force trauma. So which is it, you know?
1: Yeah, and regardless, and, you know, there's there's bruises all over her body. There's bite marks on her body. Yeah. Like, Hair's you know, I missing. understand that they're, that they're here now for the trial of the death of her daughter. But right. Something's going on. The doctor who had conducted the examination had seen nothing. That he would have classified as blunt force trauma. And the only evidence of head trauma the prosecution was able to provide were the seizures, quote unquote, that they believe Mariah had suffered on the day she died. Which could arguably have been the little girl simply locking her teeth together in refusal to eat. The defense further held that even if Mariah had died from blunt force trauma, head trauma, there was no proof it had been caused by Melissa's actions. True. True. Okay, you need proof for that. In fact, three physicians testified that all the symptoms of blunt force head trauma that Mariah may have demonstrated could have also been caused by a fall down the stairs. Hmm. Now, again, very interesting, though, that they're saying that there's no head trauma, but that if there was head trauma, it would have been caused potentially by the stairs and not from somebody else. So it's all very sussy here. The defense stated, quote, they think they got a confession. Nowhere in that statement does it say I killed my child. My client is not up. for mother of the year, which I think is clear. Thank God. Uh, She's she's guilty of child abuse, but they haven't proved she intentionally murdered her child, which, as I said, if you're on trial for the murder of your kid, Mm. you're not on trial for the abuse of your kid. I think that that should color the argument here, but she's not on trial for child abuse right
0: now. Sure, yeah.
1: The prosecution simply asked the jurors to use their common sense and look at the physical evidence of abuse all over Mariah's body, the lacerations, bruises, bites, and broken arm, which... how does one fucking kid have all of this shit? Like you certainly not parent of the year here. I mean, the ADA at trial stated it was no accident. Melissa beat Mariah. She stomped her. She threw her. What kind of mother does this? End quote. And on July 8th, 2008, Melissa was found guilty on capital murder, murder charges. Two days later on July 10th, she was sentenced to death for the murder of her daughter. Mm. Melissa is scheduled to be executed in just a few weeks. On April 27th, 2022, at this time, there is a sizable campaign to stay her execution. Supporters of keeping her alive cite the sheer lack of evidence that Melissa caused the trauma that killed Mariah, claiming it would be unjust to execute someone without knowing for sure the specific harm they inflicted was the harm that led to the loss of life. And that is a really important statement Mm -hmm. here. And that's what I said at the beginning, that there's a lot of nuance here. Even if... Melissa is guilty of all of the stuff. Even yeah. if there's evidence for it, I still don't believe that she should be uh, executed by the United States government for doing this stuff. But especially, specifically now, I think that we can have our emotional reactions about child abuse, which are fucking horrible. I mean, this is a horrible case. Mariah is a victim in every sense of every word that anyone could be a victim in. Yeah. And still, I'm not confident of the evidence against Melissa here. And no. certainly I'm not enough to bring her to death.
0: No, I mean, think about what we, what you just said. The prosecution asked the jurors to look at the lacerations, the bruises, the bites, the broken arm. Of course, those are certainly things you should look at, but lacerations, bruises, bites, and a broken arm don't don't equal death.
1: And what if that was the siblings that kicked her down the stairs yeah. or bit her or killed her? and And to some extent, it caused some head trauma. Like, all of that could be a possibility unless you have it. Beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. I mean, and this this is one of the things that I actually think separates our podcast from others. It's like, mm-hmm. I think other people. First off, I I think we do justice for the victims in a lot of ways that other podcasts don't. Like, I think other podcasts tend to glorify serial killers, and we tend to not do that. Mm-hmm. But I think that every time, every time we have a sentence, right, in a, in this in this podcast that we do, I feel like it brings up nine questions that we have, <laughs> and you and I are just reading facts of the case and we're not jurors. We're not there. We weren't forensic, you know, scientists to discover this. And given the fact that you and I have so many questions about this, I feel like says a lot about people's opinion of who was guilty and who was not, and who should be sentenced to death and who was not.
0: Yeah. Do you agree with that? I completely agree with you. And I, and I look at the facts of the case and the research that we have here in front of us. And like you always say, and I feel like I really learned this from you. It's like, you really have to have uh you know no reasonable doubt as to how someone did something zero. To put zero because otherwise if there's even a smidge of it you somebody's life is being lost i mean that is not you know jail parole whatever you know time served community service all those things are different penalties to life to to the time or, or to the crimes that you commit but death, unless you have a very clear understanding about how and why someone did this, and I'm not just talking about this case, um, there should not even be a conversation about that. And that's just my opinion about, and I'm sure yours as well, Darren, about capital punishment and and the death penalty in general.
1: And let's be frank, and I don't think I need to repeat this with our audience, but anyone that might be new to this, no one is saying that Melissa is a good mother here. Of no not. one is saying she even deserves to have these children in her fucking presence if this is going to occur and she's not even aware of it.
0: And that's not even just us taking the some of the details and making a connection. She that's literally objective. took she took the doll and shook it. You know, right. she showed exactly right. the type of behavior. This is from Melissa's mouth, for lack of a better term here. So yeah, Mother of the Year, she's not. But you know, the thing about this case that made it really interesting and what I feel like so many people, you know, find themselves in the situation is this is this is the case of a child, a three-year-old, and it's very hard to convince a jury to not throw down the book and, or throw the book, excuse me, and convict because, you know, if you're a jury, you just want justice for the child, however you can get it. And if there's an easy path to putting somebody away who's also a bad person who confessed to these kind of abuses, then somehow some people feel justice. I don't personally, if I was on the jury based on the information from today's episode, I wouldn't vote to convict.
1: No. I. How could you based on what? Again, I think that there needs to be a child. um, Yeah. Like child protective services kind of coming in here, but I'm also really curious to think what the siblings think. And yeah, that's what a good they point. witnessed and what they saw and what they think about Melissa getting right. executed. Because
0: like, this is now, what, almost 13, 14, 15 we're years ago. we less than
1: a month, and, but we're less than a month away. Yeah. I mean, we're recording this earlier in the week. We're a month out from her potentially right. being executed and being put to death. So right. the well, kids are a, old enough now. And I'm curious to see as story, stories might come out about this in that's the coming
0: weeks. No, that's true. Good. That's a great point. Uh, because this is such pressing and current news, we will do an update to this in the coming weeks. Um, I mean, personally, like I don't I don't want to see anyone cap, you know, receiving capital murder, capital punishment. Excuse me. Um, I don't believe in the death penalty. That's something we're very open about on the show. If she she's guilty of. Being a terrible something. mother of something, yeah, she's like, guilty of something, put her on she's trial not for an innocent else, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. But, but this, I'm not confident about, as despite having literally not knowing this woman and hating her and thinking yeah. she's a horrible mother who doesn't right. deserve any of this stuff, but who also suffered abuse herself and yeah, yeah, also yeah. went well, through this right. herself. And my god, yeah, that's why the capital punishment thing is just you know, she's still a human being who well, had her own, shit, you know, and to your
0: point. She's a victim in a lot of ways, too, from her own abuses, a, a, you know, situations. A, so anyway. a
1: lot of serial killers and a lot Horror. of murderers are, too. So yeah. it's anyway, it's a tough, tough case, especially because we're both not parents. I know. That probably brings another emotional level into this that you and I can't we even We can't comprehend. even talk about,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let us know what you guys think. We want to hear your thoughts. Do you think that she was guilty? Would, what would you have voted for if you were on this jury? Hit us up at Thrasher at Carpe Darren. Mention it in the Facebook group. And of course, DM us on Patreon because we get right back to you on there. Darren, yes. let's get into listener shout outs because this, if you, you listen to um, NMR last week or some of our more recent ones, we're forcing each other to watch television and the people have spoken.
1: Yes, I, I think it's more I'm forcing John to watch television, and he is forcing <laughs> me to watch We Don't Know What. But, That's true. Okay, listener shout-outs this week. We mentioned this on last week's NMR, but just in case anyone missed it. So, the listeners have spoken, Jonathan, <sighs> yeah. and the show you are meant to watch uh, is The Challenge, which is what I mandated for That's you. You right. have to watch that when the new season comes on. Mm-hmm. But the listener choice for you to watch
0: yeah. is... I know.
1: Survivor, okay? And we are now oh. three episodes into Survivor, so you have to catch up.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay, okay. we
1: are we are well into it. You must watch it. It is mandated. How many and, episodes
0: uh, in a, are there in a season? Is not it like 30 episodes? You know,
1: this is my first season really watching it, but oh, no because geez. these this season is shorter where it's only 26 days on the island and they don't oh. get rice. So you can you can fucking catch up. You they get rice.
0: Up. What did you say? They
1: don't get rice. They don't get rice this season. What does that so mean? Like, they don't get rice. Normally every season they get rice because they're starving on the island and uh. that's like what they have to eat. <laughs> they don't even have that this year. They don't have that. Oh dear. a so shorter season, but you have to watch it. And Julie okay, in I'm our gonna, Facebook I'm group. Watch it. Julie in our Facebook group said, quote, I am literally LOLing, Imagine you both sitting down and watching the suggested shows, although I am not a Marvel person whatsoever, yay Julie, but my son made me watch WandaVision and I thoroughly enjoyed the creativity and storyline, even with no prior reference to anything. So Darren, there's hope. Okay,
0: Okay." Julie. All
1: right, Julie. All right, Julie, maybe I will give it a little WandaVision. What do I have to watch, John? Tell me what I have to make. I'm going to force Nadine to sit down and watch this with me because I cannot oh, suffer good. alone here. Yes, I love so influence- she's going to suffer with me.
0: I love influencing your household, but there's no suffering. I, I can assure you Yeah, no, you I that. meant
1: enjoying it thoroughly with Nadine <laughs> I a nice I think romantic you guys, night.
0: I think you guys will like WandaVision. And you love Lizzie Olsen. You already said that. so I, I think do you're, love Lizzie Olsen. Yeah. You're going to probably need to... Okay, so here's what we need to do. Darren, Kay. my mandated choice for you was Moon Knight, which... By the time this episode comes out on Sunday, we'll have already premiered. Episode one premieres March thirtieth. Whether that's before or after you hear this, whatever. So and you what gotta. Is that on? That's what on Disney that on? Plus. Both of these are on Disney Plus. But <sighs> the listeners have spoken. Something just flew into my mouth.
1: Okay, well that 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 <laughs> absolves all the listeners from this, and I don't have to watch anything, and you have to watch <clears throat> the challenge and survivor. Oh, t- tough, what, John.
0: What the f- is that? Anyway, um. The listeners have spoken and the other show you are to watch is, of course, WandaVision, which I think ow, ow. it won by a pretty large margin. I was pretty impressed. And there were so many. I'm writing many...
1: this down right now. Yeah. WandaVision and Moonlight. I mean, Moon Knight, excuse Moonlight.
0: me. Moonlight. Okay. <laughs> um, but Darren, interestingly, a few people commented that they wanted me to watch Big Brother. Which I Ugh. think is more exciting, Jessica says. Big Brother, but like all the seasons, she wanted me to watch all the seasons. Okay,
1: that's that's okay. Too much. Even I admit, Jessica, that I cannot watch all the seasons of Big Brother. Like, yeah. even knowing it's on three days a week is a big commitment. It's a big knowing, commitment. knowing that The Bachelor yeah. is on two hours a week, sometimes yeah. two episodes between four hours a week, is very <sighs> tough for John's brain to take. That's right. So we have to ease him into this stuff. So okay. <laughs> So given this, yeah. Yeah. I should watch Moon Knight with you as it comes out
0: let I can do that. talk about it. Let's not do okay? too much at once, so you can do. So Moon do Knight. you do
1: Survivor, and then okay. once we're through that, the next thing that we do, I will do Wandavision, WandaVision. and you have to do perfect um, the challenge, the challenge when that Which comes
0: out. I'm so excited about the challenge because I have, I've loved that show. Tr- I've watched it before. Really I really like gonna. It.
1: You're gonna get so, like, it's gonna feel so nice, you getting so into it with me every week. Like,
0: can I tell you though, I I don't, the problem with me, the, the main reason I don't watch a ton of television is because I will be, let me just make sure this is clear, very consumed. Yes, With thinking about what is happening This yes. is why I'm addicted to Serial and all these other true crime shows It's why I was a huge fan of Lost and Glee Not that they're in the same genre By the
1: way, I just interviewed Hugo from Lost this past You game. did? I did because oh. he was um, Because he was on The Masked Singer And he was The nicest yeah. person yeah. In the world it's That's
0: great wow, great Jorge connection. Garcia, what Jorge Garcia, guy. yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, guys, um, we'll be talking about this in our future NMRs, some of which are on our Patreon. So you should sign up for our Patreon if you haven't already. We're releasing exclusive videos, episodes, photos there that you won't get them anywhere else. We're not releasing them anywhere else. All the content there is just for you guys on Patreon. And Darren, it really helps us with the show, you know. Oh my
1: God, it helps us so much uh, as independent creators, kind of keep the show you love so much up and running. And all of our hours now going to be spent into watching TV. <laughs> we could use all that. I actually got a great user suggestion to title NMR Not My Reality when we're talking about oh. this. So hey,
0: that's interesting for Wandavision. I'm yeah. no no yeah. spoilers, but wait oh, interest. Wait okay. till you get to that. Okay, so we People, might have
1: to be changing it to Not My Reality as opposed to Radishes. As
0: I want to part. mention, guys. Darren's wearing. A very deep red, scarlet witch-colored shirt that says "Air curang Krung" on it.
1: Krang, Krung, Krung, Krung.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, on yeah. that note, rate anyway, with you um, and subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, we got to thank Megan, right there. Of course,
1: we do. Uh, one, two, three. Thanks, thanks, Megan. We love you all. We will see you next week for another. Shaken and disturbed type of case. Uh hopefully it won't be as hard to get through as this one was because this yeah. one was truly very, very disturbing. But well uh, we'll
0: we'll see you a few moments later. We'll see you a few moments later, guys. <laughs> a few
1: moments later. Okay, I'm Bye. gonna
0: isolate that and make that its
1: own voice. Bye. Sounds Bye. Nice. Bye. <laughs>